Hey, welcome back. Time to grab your board, swim out into the sea. It's a little choppy out there today. But we're going to find a way to build a sales pipeline anyway here with the man who can do it in good weather or bad, Matt Hines. All right, I think we got him with us here. As I said, the one man who can navigate through any storm, Matt Hines. Welcome back. Well, I'll tell you what, if coronavirus is now in the computer, we're all in the <laughs> I was going to say, interesting observation. You know, I think that um, we're, we're noticing little chops and stuff here there. I wonder if the Internet is, isn't being overwhelmed a little bit by this sudden influx of isolation and home oh, workers I'm, here. I'm shocked that... Uh you know, that honestly, uh, for the little amount of constraints that I've seen or felt across the Internet, I mean, I spend half my day on Zoom calls now. And, yeah, right. you know, our kids are, you know, on do it during their online learning. And all of which take more bandwidth here. All of which take more bandwidth, more data, whatever. And I don't know that the Zoom infrastructure and the Internet that delivers you to Zoom, all of that has been was ready for the huge uptick in uh, traffic here. But it seems to be well, holding. so far so good. I mean, I've been pretty impressed. We're a Zoom customer. We also use On24 and a few other platforms. Uh, our church uses live stream from Vimeo and um, I've been mm-hmm. very impressed uh, with what we've seen so far. Uh, less impressive, though, Paul, Heinz Homeschool. We're going on mm, week three now mm. of Heinz Homeschool. My kids declared me the principal. My, <laughs> my wife is a teacher, so she's off. And uh, her joke was, well, after the first couple of days, we already were in trouble. Two kids had been suspended, and um, and one teacher had been fired for drinking on the job. So Heinz Homeschool wow. having a little trouble. Wow. Um, but we will get there. Well, maybe. Anyway, well, I hope everyone who's listening today is home healthy safe you know most of us in the sales pipeline radio world uh whether you're a listener whether you're a guest uh, we are fortunate that we can largely do a lot of what we have to do from our office from an airplane seat from our home office so very thankful for all of that and thankful for those of you that are joining us live today on the funnel media radio network if we are helping to provide uh, a little break in the midst of your work from home work day. Thank you very much for joining us for everyone listening to the podcast and listening to the replay. Thank you very much for joining us as well. Yes, Paul. I looked at today's topic and I smiled. I thought only Matt would find a ray of sunshine. Everybody else, your last show was, well, maybe it's time to not push so hard in sales. Maybe this is just a time to lower the goals and hang in there until everybody recovers. But there is one area where they must be selling like crazy in healthcare. If you got the right item, you know, come on in they need stuff so bad and so fast here and i thought what a great topic how you can sell into healthcare right now well and that's the the key of what you just said is the right item right i think that you know there's a lot of salespeople, a lot of companies still trying to hit their number right now and increasingly you know as we as we go deeper into social distancing and people trying to what the new normal is you know you you hear people when more and more you know cities and counties and states go into shelter in place it's shutting down everything but essential services. And that's a really interesting topic to me. If you think about essential services, like what are the things that we can't live without? Like grocery stores are open. Pharmacies are open. Radio, uh, station, radio are stations open. are open. Here we go. Yeah. Right. The, media, the media is open, right? It's a critical communication tool. So if you're in B2B, if you're a business selling to a business, the same thing applies. Like, I mean, what is your essential service to your customer? What is, are you an essential business and why? If your prospects have what they can focus on right now. How do you define what you're doing accurately with integrity as something that your prospects cannot live, cannot survive without? So our guest today, I'm very excited. We are featuring, and this is what's what's amazing about this time in two balls. Like we have, I've been trying to get our guest today on for a very long time. We have, we've missed each other in trying to record. Finally, we found a day that we could record live. 
And I'm very excited to have with us today, Lindsay Leader. She is a clinical consultant and a nurse practitioner working for Vera Whole Health in Seattle. And what an interesting, I mean, this, <laughs> I wish we had a lot more time today, but you've got this juxtaposition between a healthcare startup that is still trying to sell and grow. You've got someone who is at that organization who has responsibility for sales numbers and for growth goals, but also is a nurse practitioner who has experience doing the things that, you know, the first responders from 9-11 equivalent now are the people on the front lines in the medical community trying to save lives and trying to sort of stay on top of everything. Lindsay, thanks so much for joining us today on Sales Pipeline Radio. Good. Are you there with us, Lindsay, here? Sorry, we had you offline there. Are you back with us? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, he gave you a glowing uh, introduction there and was talking about all the things you do. And I was so entranced listening to it, I forgot to push the button here. So now you're there. Oh, I didn't uh, hear. <laughs> well, no, Lindsay, I was singing your praises and just saying it was. I'm so fortunate to have you on today. And I know you and I, have we've tried to connect and tried to record a version of this podcast for a while. And, you know, we thank you for making it, making it live today. And in the world we're living through in real time today, to have someone that is at a healthcare-related company that has a sales responsibility, but also as a nurse practitioner, to bring those uh, those experiences together is really unique. And my first question to you, of course, is: How are you doing? Is your family, you know, healthy and safe? Um, are you? I'm assuming you're hunkered down working from home as well. Yeah. Yes, I apologize if any kids interrupt our conversation. <laughs> yeah, no, um, thank you for the question. We're doing well. We are all healthy and well, and it's a very unusual time, but feeling really grateful to be surrounded by great community and hoping that we can get through this as quickly as possible. Absolutely. Well, you missed my, my preamble about Heinz homeschool here not really going very well. So uh, we may hear kids on either side. It's very possible. And we're recording today from the from my uh, my basement bunker, which is fortified by a occasionally uh, you know unlocks itself door. Uh, so who knows what's going to happen? I want to also get your perspective on this as a nurse practitioner from what you're seeing. I mean, obviously here in Seattle, you know, our the case zero and sort of the growth here has preceded a little bit what we've seen around the country. What's your perspective just as a as a medical professional and as a practitioner from what you're seeing and you know how we're getting through this? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I mean I think when it first started, you know, I looked at it as okay, this is a rapidly spreading virus. We've seen similar things like this in the past here with H one N one, but not to this scale, you know, and then we look at larger um, epidemics like this throughout the world. And what's so unique about this, right, is that it's affecting the entire globe and, and that obviously the transmission rate is quite rapid and it has seemed to affect vulnerable populations to an extreme degree, um, which we see commonly with other uh, viruses, but this is just so rapid and the, the rate of contagion and spread is, is quite rapid. So I think, you know, our response has been it's had to shift with how rapidly we have been gaining information about the spread. Um, I think there's a lot of people that have been infected or exposed that we don't know about yet, right? We don't have tests yet to detect antibodies for past exposure, things like that. So there's still a lot we don't know. I think our teams on the front lines are doing an exceptional job adapting and, and working with the constantly changing recommendations that we're receiving from the CDC, the World Health Organization, and then at a county level, at a state level, and so it, it's really about putting all of our skills at work right now where we're having to be critical thinkers. We're having to use every resource that's available to us at our fingertips, you know, and, and really also 
sort of triaging uh, based on the supplies we have, both people supply as well as protective equipment and test kits. Um, I know that nationwide there's a shortage of, of testing kits themselves. So, so really then looking ahead, what does it mean when we, we may or may not be able to confirm diagnosis? How do we treat based on symptoms? How do we ensure the people who are in the most need are getting uh, the care faster? And then how do we educate the population about what to expect? what we know and how we often will just overcome this illness on our own without any sort of intervention or testing or screening, and then really when to know when to be seen. Um, if we do experience symptoms, when do we know, okay, I really need to be in to be evaluated, when can I stay home, so that we can utilize the healthcare system most effectively. And I think companies across the country, across the world, are really adapting the way that we deliver care in terms of providing more telehealth offerings so that we can really reduce the burden on the ERs and urgent cares and really get people um, medical consult wherever they are so that we can do the best we can in this time. So I could go on and on about that, but hopefully that sort of provides just an overview of how I felt that we've faced it and adapted and, and all of those things. Yeah, no, that's really, that's actually really great. And I appreciate you going to that level of detail. I think, uh, you know, we're all reading the news and watching sort of updates. And, uh, you know, it's not often we get to hear from someone like yourself who, you know, who knows the medicine, who's in, who's in the field. <laughs> uh, the other thing I'd love yeah. to talk about, I think we've, you know, there's been a lot talked about in terms of sort of the science of social distancing and why why that's so important for flattening the curve. And like the flattening the curve is not right. eliminating the virus. It is, it is stringing out. It is, you know, it is spreading out cases so that we don't overwhelm the healthcare system. The other question I hear a lot, and I don't, I haven't seen a really good answer to this yet, and I'm assuming you may have something for us. Is you know they, they say, well, people are already working on a vaccine, but that's going to take 12 to 18 months. Well, a vaccine versus a treatment versus a therapy, they're like, you know, can't we come up with something that can mitigate the impact? Of course, it's not that simple and not that fast. Do you have any insight that you can give folks in terms of what those three things are, what they mean, and how they? you know, why they take time and how they could actually have an impact at some point. Right. That's another great question. I mean, I think the thing that we need to remember when we talk about management strategies is that most often, you know, the virus itself is infecting people. Um, people are, are getting sicker and, and then pro the disease progresses faster from other complicating factors. So whether there's pre-existing conditions that someone has, maybe it's asthma, maybe it's COPD, maybe it's um, chronic conditions that compromise lung capacity or compromise immunity. Those are the kind of things that we also need to be managing right now. So when we look at what is a treatment and how can it be effective, we have to look across all populations, right, for pediatric to elderly to people with immunocompromised systems. And so really looking at is what is the virus? Does it mutate? How can we effectively treat it? And viruses themselves, we have all the time, and we, we often don't have a lot of antiviral treatments that um, they're not like antibiotics. And I think a lot of people get those two things confused because we don't know the difference. Um, yes, and so yes. those things are things that they're still trying to figure out. So I think that's kind of where they are with like, does is there an existing medication out there that could be used? If so, what does that look like? And then how... Who can take it? Who can't take it? And where will it have the greatest impact? The vaccine is really interesting because, again, does this mutate? Is it something like the flu that every year there could be a different strain? Or is it something like measles where there's an effective vaccine for the lifetime if you get it? you know, in the series that's recommended. And it takes time because we have to actually test it out to make sure it's effective. And then you sort of have to have, be exposed again to make sure that it's, 
it was or was not effective. So that can take a lot of time. So right now, I mean, we've all heard it a million times that prevention and is really the front line of defense. So that means being responsible personally where you're washing your hands regularly, really avoiding touching your face, touching your mouth, touching your eyes, trying to make sure you're staying away from others when you're sick, of course. But then right now that social distancing is really important because we have to understand that even though we may not have symptoms, we may be still carrying and spreading viruses, whether it's COVID or not. Right now, we really need to be conscious of not spreading illness anywhere else. Um, and so that can really reduce the burden overall on the healthcare system. Absolutely. And my last medical question for you, and I promise we'll talk a little bit about selling in this environment as well. Um, <laughs> That's you know, okay. This everyone, is on top of my no, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm taking advantage of this opportunity, man. This is awesome. So I think uh, <laughs> the, uh, the other thing that everyone says is not just wash your hands, but wash your hands for 20 minutes. And now there's like a social yeah. media thing where like in the, you, you basically you, t you wash your hands for 20 seconds, you know, listening to your favorite song, and then you tag three people and everyone you know, demonstrates how to wash your hands for 20, 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a major win if I can get my kids to use soap and wash their hands for five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and so to quadruple that is a feat. But, and I think most people right. probably, in mean, 20 seconds, if you're sitting there with the, sit the soap, especially if you're not home, if you're at a restaurant or a bar or someone like that, that's a really long time. A long time. Why is that important, right? Why is that important? Right. And also the other, the, the follow-up is, are there parts that we should be aware of that we rarely get brushing the teeth then? You probably... Most of us get into habits of brushing teeth, and we brush the same sections of teeth really well and start may miss if we're not careful and thoughtful. Why 20 seconds yeah. in a particular part of the hand we should, we should really pay attention to? Yeah. Um, you know, I think overall, this whole thing is really an invitation for us all to slow down and be conscious of our actions at a very basic mm -hmm. level. And so things like washing our hands, the real... Um, benefit to the length of time is that you're actually scrubbing every part of your hand. The soap only does so much. It's really about scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing so that you can not only kill any sort of virus or bacteria that's on your hand, but then you're really eliminating it through the scrubbing process. And when we look at our hands, we think, okay, that's just a simple surface. We'll get it off. But it's really in those areas like the fingernails and the fingers and the little crevices in between the fingers that where, where bacteria and viruses like to live and reside. And so it's those places, I mean, if you think about someone getting ready for surgery and a surgeon scrubbing, they will scrub for minutes, <laughs> you know, like two minutes. Is, it makes 20 wow. seconds seem like nothing and really getting into every so that their patients are safe. And so mm -hmm. right now, I think we can all think of ourselves as sort of like many medical providers right now and that the way that if we take care of ourselves, we can take care of others because we are only going to get over this if we all contribute to that. So it's sort of like looking at our habits that we already have in place and inviting ourselves to, I know this is uncomfortable. I know it's hard. I know it's different, but how can I do this? And then that's going to uh, contribute to, to the health of the whole population around me. So I always, Absolutely. I often say this in a patient room and I think it's relevant here is how can we talk to ourselves like we would talk to our best friend or someone we love? Love, right we would never say the things to others that we sometimes say to ourselves <laughs> and and nope. you can take that to all different contexts but really like if I was standing across from someone that maybe was more um, fragile with their immunity I would do everything I could and if something like washing my hands for 30 seconds mattered then then I do it now for kids yeah we just sing a lot of songs together and make it sort of fun <laughs> yeah. try to scrub with them but yeah I know that's yeah. hard awesome well thank you thank, thank you for indulging me in my medical questions I'm I guarantee to you a lot of our sure. listeners uh also appreciate a little 
from sales conversations for someone that knows what they're talking about. So thank you for that. We do have to take a quick <laughs> break and pay some bills. We'll be right back. I do have some selling in this environment questions for our guests today. Uh, we'll be right back on Sales Pipeline Radio. <laughs> CMOs and marketing leaders have the increasingly complex task of effectively communicating marketing's value to their CEO and board. And as today's markets face growing uncertainties, the need for clear, consistent, and predictable communication will only continue to grow. How do they do it? Read the new research report on marketing's role in the boardroom from Drift, G2, and Heinz Marketing. Get it now at drift.com alignment. That's drift, D-R-I-F-T dot com slash alignment. Okay, let's pick it back up with Matt in his multiple questions here. Uh, I don't know if we're going to make sales today here. No, I think we might have to get into sales a little bit, uh, but I mean, I, I could go on for a while. And obviously, I mean, our guest today, Lindsay Leader, who's a clinical consultant with uh, Vera Whole Health, but also a nurse practitioner, has just got such a unique and perspective on this situation. Somebody tweeted in and wanted to know, what is Vera Whole Health and what does she do as a nurse practitioner there? Well, that is a phenomenal transitional question <laughs> there, Paul. So, uh, yeah, let's, I mean, I know we've only got about 10, you know, a little less than 10 minutes left, but can you just talk, Lindsay, about what Vera Whole Health is, what it does, and why does it have a nurse practitioner on staff? Great question. I'll try to be brief because I know we're short on time. But So Vera Whole Health, we provide advanced primary care centers for large groups. So we partner with large employers, public entities, um, trusts, or payers to provide advanced primary care for their population. And what that means is we actually build a clinic staffed with our very comprehensive care teams comprised of providers like nurse practitioners and physicians, as well as whole health coaches and allied staff to uh, provide patient care. And it's comprehensive primary care, which means evaluating individuals across the lifespan, really being that front line of defense to talk about prevention, chronic care, acute care. And we also provide some occupational health services if it's relevant. We really work with the populations to understand who they are, understand their barriers, understand their goals, so that we can take the care as well outside the four walls of the care center and really provide a population health um, management for the group. Our approach is really about getting back to the basics of, of of comprehensive care, meaning biopsychosocial care. So not just a reaction to what physical symptoms you're having, but really looking at, um, at patients through a, a one-on-one lens and saying, you know, what are the goals that you have? What are the barriers you're facing? What are your um, concerns? And really developing meaningful action plans for them and then doing the same as a population. So we use informatics to drive that targeted outreach and engagement. And then we work together really collaboratively so that we can have a holistic plan of care. It's really about providing care that's meaningful for populations so that they can better care for themselves, the work they're doing, really about stripping down costs in our healthcare system. We all know that a lot of the costs are due to reactions and preventable conditions that wouldn't were not addressed until they became a very catastrophic thing. So really stripping down costs when it comes to specialty care, urgent care, ER utilization, medications, and imaging. And then really reducing the complexity, both for the, the patients, so they have a one-stop medical home dedicated to them, but also for those administering benefits, those um, trying to bring uh, better healthcare solutions to their population. So as a nurse practitioner and clinical consultant, I float in the clinics, and so I do provide patient care, but I also really work as um, a clinical consultant with our sales team to help develop clinical solutions that are relevant for populations. 
if I could, I would provide Vera for the entire population in the world, and hopefully we could get that someday. But it's really about looking at when does the solution make sense for the group? How can we modify things so that it really is relevant? Because the only way solutions work is if they're meaningful and relevant to the population, right? There's not a shortage of solutions out there floating around, but we really have to make, it has to be a match, right? So that people yeah. can really buy into their own health and that groups can buy into a solution that makes sense to them financially, but also like culturally. It's really about making sure it's a cultural fit. So I love it because it brings together both my clinical skills and mindset as well as education and solution development. I think your role, uh, I think of is, you know, when, if you're selling enterprise software, you know, you have your sales rep or your account executive, and you oftentimes will have a sales engineer. I think of you as sort of the, the medical version of a sales engineer to really help customize mm -hmm. and, and bring the real science and, and skill into the sale. Now, the last time I saw you in person was about well, maybe six weeks ago or so. We had a, we did a uh, we did a, a all hands sort of sales meeting and workshop in the office, and that was a a little bit of a different selling environment than we're facing today. And I'd right. love to get just your perspective. I mean, you're selling. I mean, so Paul's right. I mean, healthcare is obviously you know a hot topic right mm -hmm. now. But, you know, unless you're selling max masks and ventilators, it can be kind of tough. How have conditions changed in the sales world right now? And what are some of the things that, you know, that have maybe changed in the approach you're taking and that Vera's taking to not just continue to try to, you know, help people, but also to, to sell with empathy? Right. You know, I think, yeah, the landscape has changed tremendously in the last six weeks. <laughs> and um, right now, I think it's really about um, – what are people going through and how can a partnership help um, people get to a place that they, where they want to be? So I always talk about how selling is very similar to providing direct patient care because we have to understand what are the symptoms, what are the ailments, what are the pains that people or populations are going through? And then what resources do we have to address those pains? And then does it make sense? And then out of that, what is a management plan that's going to work, that's going to stick? And so for selling in this Days, right? It's about would this solution make sense right now to have a dedicated partner that's really focusing on what the current state of healthcare is right now, what the current state of of this pandemic is, and that's dedicated to your population to really morph and change and really create a patient experience that's going to be relevant to them right now. I mean, we all know that there are a lot of strains on, on the market right now. There's a lot of strains that companies are facing. So I think our role right now is to just be a very empathetic partner, an empathetic resource, even to those who are not our clients, to be you know available, provide education, and be sort of a resource. I think it's also a unique time for groups to seek out, we're facing this right now, this virus, this this pandemic in the current healthcare system the way it is, and, and it's really hard right now to navigate. And I've had groups even reach out to be like, you know, what would it look like if we had had a partner like this, and how would that change? Because we can be sort of an agnostic care navigator for the group and helping them um you know, obviously providing patient care and providing education, but also helping direct groups where they need to go when they need to go there. You know, if we could become a state like other states are where all the testing happens one place, what does that mean for those who need to be tested who are our clients, but also how can we help reduce the burden for those people by maybe providing care remotely for other conditions, you know, how can, and, mm -hmm. and some things we've done um, are really helping, you know, in that way. So yeah. 
yeah, I hope that answers your question. No, it does. And unfortunately, we are just running up on time here. I know we've got, yeah. um, you know, Paul, we've got a bunch of really great guests coming up in the next few weeks, but we might have to do a, a part two of this because it's such an important conversation right now. Look, I think there's, this is a pretty terrible time right now for the world, let alone the U.S., let alone for our businesses. I think when we get out of this, there will be plenty of lessons learned, and I'm hopeful that you know, we'll be able to sort of work together as a community, as a global community, to address you know, broader macro and micro healthcare issues. And uh, I would encourage anyone who's interested to check out Vera Whole Health. They really are doing some amazing work. And um, Paul, got a last word here? Last word. I know she's a nurse practitioner, so maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm going to confuse the issue. But today, she to me, she was a doctor of common sense. Doctor of common sense. Well, I honestly, I, I appreciate everything Lindsay was able to share with us today. Uh, we covered a little bit of sales and I think appropriately a lot more. Just um, it's a little perspective and uh, some uh, some best practices and recommendations from um, from someone who's who's there and knows it and uh, you know, can filter through the noise and uh, give us the signals. Anyway, a little different episode of Sales Pipeline Radio today, but I appreciate everyone for joining us. We will be back next week talking about sales, talking about coronavirus. I will happily... Uh, maybe painfully give an update on Heinz Holmes homeschool uh, all coming up. But for now, from, <laughs> on behalf of my great producer, Paul, this is Matt Heinz. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. You've been listening to Sales Pipeline Radio as we navigate the waves, washing on the shores these days here and bringing the latest and greatest information on how to get your sales pipeline up and running, even in tough times.